0: It's in the singing of a street corner choir It's going home and getting warm by the fire It's true, wherever you find love It feels like Christmas A cup of kindness that we share with another A sweet reunion with a friend or a brother In all the places you find love
1: It feels like Christmas It is the season of the heart A special time of caring
0: the ways of love made clear. And
2: it is the season of the Spirit. The message, if we hear it, is make it last all year. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 87 of Vague Zone. I am Daniel. I'm Thomas. <laughs> And today we are discussing the Muppet Christmas Carol from 1992, and joining us for this discussion is our good friend Adam. Welcome to the show, Adam.
0: Thank you, thank you. Hello. Yeah, thank you for
1: joining us. And for those who don't know, Adam is another member of the group Blaze Wave that I'm in. We had our uh, buddy Kyle on sometime last year talking about the Animatrix and had a really great discussion about that as he loves those. And you mentioned wanted to talk about the Muppets Christmas Carol, so glad to
0: have you on. Pleasure to be here. One of my... Well, I'll, I'll hold my takes for you.
2: <laughs> Alright. <laughs> so, uh, Thomas, why don't you read for us the description, or uh, the synopsis for The Muppet's Christmas
1: Carol. Absolutely. The Muppet's Christmas Carol. 1992, rated G. It's directed by Brian Henson. The Muppet characters tell their version of the classic tale of an old and bitter miser's redemption on Christmas Eve. Alright, yeah, some say one of the greatest Christmas stories ever told. Um, so... Adam, you are our guest. Um, what are your thoughts on this Christmas Carol
2: upon revisiting it? And also, why this episode if you want to <laughs> jump on?
0: <laughs> Alright, fair enough. Um, well, this is, I had this on VHS as a kid, and as as you guys know, as I've heard on the pod, whatever um, whatever VHSs you have as a child are there for forever, you know, always in your list of favorite movies. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So I, I watch this all the time, not just during Christmas. Um, and I this and Muppet Treasure Island were my only two um, like Muppet movies I had, and I think those are the more contemporary ones. From I was born in ninety one, so that lines yeah. up. Um, so I always loved it as a kid. There were always some parts that kind of freaked me out a little bit, um, and then I think rewatching it, I st- I saw it again in twenty nineteen, and I've been watching it every year for Christmas since. Yeah. Um, sometimes twice a season. It's just like <laughs> it just hit me hit me in my miserly heart in 2019, and I, I couldn't get it out, so...
1: Yeah, I feel that. This is this wasn't in my rotation, but it will continue to be in the rotation yeah. moving forward, I think. Wow, okay, cool. So, yeah, what about you guys? Was, do you have experience with this?
2: Uh, you want to start, Thomas?
1: Yeah, I also had this on VHS, but when I was rewatching this, like, I didn't remember anything, and I was like, I think I might have been too afraid, because I, like, I remember... The Waldorf and Stadler ghosts—I was like, that was a little like ghostly, gooly for me, maybe. And then also the ghost of Christmas Past is just really uncanny and strange. And so, like, I was trying—I was thinking, I was like, yeah, maybe I just—I'm familiar with the story from just knowing the fable. And so I was watching it, like, yeah, like I know what's happening and everything. But as far as the Muppet details and like all of those Jim Henson things, I didn't remember at all. So I was—I like, I don't remember any of these small things. So rewatching this was really great. Also watching this like, right before June is strange. Like, yeah, I was talking about a Christmas movie in the middle of, like, almost summer is, like, an odd kind of thing to do. But I also really appreciated it, because usually we don't get that, like, sentimental, family-based, like, love-everybody kind of thing in the middle of the summer. Usually the summer is like, it's Top Gun, it's, it's, it's Jurassic Park, you know, people are getting eaten and blown up and stuff, so, like, the type of, like, blockbuster movie superhero kind of things tend to not really have those kind of, like, hearts to it. So watching this was just, like, a really interesting kind of change of pace of all the things I've been watching recently. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed Michael Kane And it really appreciated just like the really broad variety of Muppets that we get. in this. So I think that's like one of the things that, one of the things that stands out, it feels the most like Labyrinth and the most like Jim Henson kind of movie out of the ones we've watched. And, yeah. Yeah. Like I said, like this is going to be a solid fixture in the Christmas rotation moving forward. Like, fuck die hard like we don't need to watch those like <laughs> christmas movies this is like a legitimate true to heart christmas movie that just like holds up
2: entirely that's how i
1: felt about it so what did you think David?
2: um so it's interesting that you say this felt like the most jim hensony uh, i definitely got a labyrinth vibe from it but um i noted like this movie at the very beginning it says it's dedicated to jim henson so yeah. this is it's been eight years since the previous muppet movie uh, it's the first movie that's a Disney movie first Muppet movie that's a Disney movie and it's the first movie without Jim Henson um, yeah, he passed away in and so yeah going into it it has a very different vibe um I felt like over the course of this movie I was getting pretty emotional because of Michael Kane's performance I think yeah. Michael Kane is really uh I hate hate when people say, oh, they act with their eyes and all this stuff, but it's like, no, I'm getting completely drawn into his world because of, like, seeing the sadness in his eyes and stuff. Um, This is also the first Muppet movie where I'm thinking about lighting and cinematography (laughs) and the use of camera because it feels like they're doing, you know, they're doing Christmas Carol, they're doing this classic tale, so they give it a very defined style. And the previous Muppet movies, it kind of just feels like, just make sure the characters are lit. You know a lot of it's outside like it's just just heavy lighting we're not really going for tone uh just make sure it feels appropriate to the setting and this is like you know we got these canted angles we got this like cool blue lighting which is accentuating yeah. the the cold uh we also have like, early in the movie, uh, Gonzo, when he's doing his narration thing, he's, like, getting hit from this, like, red light from the side, and it's really striking. And it's, like, why am I paying attention to this in a <laughs> movie now? Um, yeah,
1: there's also some nice, like, uh, CG moments that uh, they
2: hold up kind of well. Like, yeah, like yeah. it doesn't
1: look too bad.
2: There's a scene of a man shrinking, and it's I, I <laughs> yeah. like, rewound because I was like, wait, how did they do that? Because I, I feel like it's a very simple trick, but it's very effective.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked when they were oh, yeah. walking through the uh, portal at the end. Um, like, it's yeah. just a green screen. Like, it's just the normal setting, and then it kind of spins in on itself and spirals out. Very cool.
2: Yeah, you, you definitely get the sense that, like, lessons they learned from the previous movies, like Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, that sort of stuff, is are being applied here. Um, and so, yeah, I really like it. I definitely understand, like, wanting to bring it into the Christmas rotation. It's probably the best version of A Christmas Carol that has been put to film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm, I'm all about this movie. <laughs>
1: yeah. Speaking of, like, shooting techniques, one thing that stuck out to me was, um, I'm going to make sure I get his name right, um, the character is uh, Kermit's son. What is, is, is it t- I guess it's Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim yeah. So he's walking home with Tiny Tim, and Kermit is walking on, like, a rotating platform, like, under him. It's, like, a snowy, yeah. like, cylinder that he's walking on. So anytime they do, like, a full-body Muppet, it's always kind of like, okay, how are they going to make this look? Smooth and natural. Yeah, he's like walking and doing this little singing thing. Where he's like doing the backups for Tiny Tim. He's like walking on the cylinder, and I was like, "Wow, that just looks really fucking good." Like it just Brian Henson or the entire crew of like all the setup just did a really good job of just making those parts look really nice. Like when they're like sliding on the ice with the penguins. Like yeah, it's, like, it's just like it's it's very much just like this all works and looks really really well, and it, it helps that yeah we're in like in '92. The first Mother movie was '79. So we're like a little bit further into modern filmmaking practices, more in like this, like the Spielberg era, like right before Jurassic Park and all this shit that pops off, and a lot of those like techniques really show and really elevate it. I was gonna ask uh, Adam, what did you think of like just the tone of this movie? Because I think that's one thing that stuck out to me is like it just gets really
0: morbid and dark, <laughs> like throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean it's dark from the start. I, I I feel like you know you get some of the first, well the first song you get is just. Really, just singing about how how terrible this man is, and you get you get very real world examples of it. Um, yes. Yeah. Starving Muppets. You get uh, yeah, yeah. intense poverty, and then the, and then one of the first acted scenes. Yeah, the guy's coming in to try to negotiate his mortgage, and, and his daughter's dying of, of leukemia, and he throws yeah. her out. It's 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 really, and this is why it works though, right? And it's um, I don't know if you guys came across this quote, but um, Michael Caine said when this movie came out that he it was important to him to treat this role with a lot of gravity and and seriousness and he treated the Muppets as if they were the Royal Shakespeare Company he liked to say <laughs> okay uh, and I think it really works though like it it, it makes it it grounds the movie um, so that you can get the Muppets kind of like wackiness to bring some light moments to it you know a really dark tale
1: when he kicks the bunny out on the street and we get a shot as the bunny shivering it's just like oh that was that's we're just gonna be left with that image until until things get resolved
2: there's a scene early in the movie where uh scrooge's nephew comes in and there's a long dialogue just between him and his nephew and like the muppets are kind of just like at the background they kind of like fade away at that point And it feels like if you just took that out of context, like you could like cut the Muppets out of this movie and you would still have like this, you you would still feel that these characters, these actors are like giving it their all to these performances. Yeah. Um, It's weird. Like it almost feels like uh, you have this structure and it's like this person. Uh, this classic tales this person and the Muppets are just throwing mud at this person and anything <laughs> that gets clung to it creates this new organism which which is this Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol movie.
1: Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned the nephew because for a while because I watched this a few days ago so I was like oh yeah Michael Caine is like the only like human actor in but no we have like the nephew and the nephew's wife and everything and I really love the scene where he's with the ghost of Christmas present and they're talking they're like oh yeah we're gonna go see my nephew and they're like playing this game and we have like some human Muppets also some pigs. Big Muppets in there, and they're like kind of like all having this little game party. And then they're like, Oh, who are they talking about? He's like, Oh, he's worse than a cockroach, he's worse than a rat. And he's like, Oh, what are you talking about. It's like, No, they're, they're talking about you. And it's just like this really heavy moment where they're just all just like laughing at him. And yeah, I think those moments really help, like, really stick the redemption. I wish there was a little bit more of that Christmas fun when he's like really happy. We get like a really joyous song towards the end, but. I feel like, yeah, it kind of, they lay on the heavy stuff really hard, and so like I was hoping for a little bit more of like, oh yeah, like, it's it's fun, Christmas time, everyone's good, like, Muppets playing around. What were you gonna say,
2: Daniel? Uh, I was gonna say, I took note of that, too, that, like, when Scrooge has his transformation, when he's come to these realizations, he sings a song, and it's a great song, but initially, he just feels like The way he's performing it, it feels like he's kind of the same Scrooge. Uh, He's not, like, really happy and joyous when he's, like, singing. Uh, He eventually smiles towards the end of it. So I feel like maybe the song is supposed to represent a transformation. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's like, I think I would have liked him just, like, we've, the transformation has been
0: the movie. (laughs) Like, let's
2: see it, like, pay off now, you know?
0: Yeah, I think still, still solid there. What I was time? thinking. I was gonna say. I think the point of that I noticed of like transformation that I hadn't really noticed before, um, but it like kind of made me a little emotional too. Is like uh, when he's the Ghost of Christmas Present is singing his song, um, which is also a really good. So those are my two favorite songs, I think. Um, and Michael Caine is just like kind of listening. It's about the spirit of Christmas, and he's just listening and like looks like he's kind of like open to it a little bit, but not really buying in. And at the like towards the last chorus. He, he does a little, like, synchronized dance with the giant <laughs> Christmas puppet. Like, very straight yeah. face still, um, but he's kind of swinging back and forth. And I in my head, I was like, okay, that's the first time he's, like, bought in to the idea. Yeah. Um, so it's cool to watch, like, yeah, that character development through songs. And like you're saying, he, like, kind of comes full circle all the way um, on that last one, which is just oh, so good. Cry every time.
2: <laughs> um, I will say I found myself getting really sucked into like scrooge and yeah it's weird to watch a muppet movie and be like i'm just sucked sucked into the drama of this like we're watching this man uh see himself as a lonely child because he was too consumed with his work and then (laughs) and then immediately find out that everyone hates him (laughs) like it's like what sort of horrible experience is this for this man
1: yeah the scene where he's (laughs) washing um his old girlfriend break up with him was that that struck really yeah. like, that was it kind of close to home he's like talking to the ghost he's like please don't like is this it like just please don't show me anymore and every time he does like a variation of like that line it gets like it kind of compounds and just gets heavier and heavier when you get to the point where he's talking to the ghost of christmas uh ghost of christmas yet to come and he's talking to, to that entity and the entity isn't Communicating back, it's just like it's like this feeling of desperation where he's just like, please, like, just let this be like the last, and like something has to change, right? It's just like, he's communicating it just really, really well. And one thing that I want to mention, I feel like with this movie, it feels different with the other Muppet movies we've watched. The Muppets were at the center of it, and the Muppets are sort of carrying the entire movie for the most part. We have human actors coming in as like romantic interests, or just like foils, or just comic relief, or whatever, maybe just like, a cameo for for two seconds or whatever, but here it's like we have Michael Kane at the center of it and then we have the Muppets sort of, not like sidelined, but they're sort of pushed to the side a little bit where Fozzie kind of has like one scene and like yeah. Miss Piggy has like just a couple of scenes. I want to know, Daniel, what did you think about that? Because I know you mentioned having a little bit of a fatigue sort of being like, okay, well like, these Muppets are kind of like doing their thing, but like two movies, there's like not really a plot. It's kind of just like sketchy. And so for here it's like a very straightforward plot, very straightforward story. The Muppets are playing, like, bit roles, like, support yeah. roles.
2: Well, I was just thinking, it feels like like, this is pretty a pretty straight retelling of A Christmas Carol. Like, we get a little bit of Muppet antics. This is why I bring up the throwing mud at a person thing. It's like, the person is still there. It still has the structure of a person, but it's just like there's this, like, flavor that's been added onto it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's a point in the movie where we see uh, Dr. Teeth in the Electric Mayhem. And they're all in costume as, uh, to be appropriate for cr- this Christmas Carol movie. And so it really does feel like, oh, these are characters that we've gotten to know. And now they're playing dress up because they're playing a role in yeah. this other story. And like Gonzo, like he breaks the fourth wall immediately.
1: Uh, yeah, you so. said in the in the past that Gonzo was your favorite as a kid. What did you think about him as Charles Dickens, the narrator here? with him in, And also this is our first significant pairing with him and Rizzo as like his sidekick, which I thought. Parked
2: really well. I think it's odd that it's Gonzo. Uh, You would think that like they would have given that role to like Kermit or something just because he is the iconic lead Muppet. Like maybe he would be the one to guide us through the story. Hmm. Um, So it's weird that they give Kermit like an actual a role as a performer. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. Just thinking about this movie and the role that Muppets play in it. It's it's not a corruption of a christmas carol it's a straight retelling of it they didn't try and twist it into a muppet movie they just added muppets yeah <laughs> And it's like would like that like because that was definitely had to have been on the table it's like we could either do christmas carol through the lens of the muppets or just add muppets to this
0: already existing story yeah i, I love this format i mean it's, it's very similar to muppet treasure island i don't know if they take more liberties there um but i I've always said, like, they should do this again. I mean, what a great way to bring the Muppets back. It's perfect straight to streaming. Like, bring it back. Yeah, which makes me, brings me
2: to this question. If they were to do other stories, what other stories should they do?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm really curious about that. Um,
2: One thing I wanted to
1: bring up is... Nope, you got to answer the (laughs) 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 question. Okay, I think I want to see, like, a Muppet retelling of, like... All All right, I got it. We got to do Muppets, uh, the, uh, fuck, I'm totally botching this, the story of Moses leading the, <laughs> oh, leading God. them out of okay. Egypt, have, yeah, uh, yeah Kermit, biblical story yeah, Kermit God. as Moses,
2: <laughs> but I think, I think that'd be, that'd be really good. Uh, Emily was saying they should do the Hobbit. with the <sighs> Hobbit. That'd be I awesome. I was thinking they should do the Divine Comedy. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah I was thinking Beowulf yeah. <laughs> okay,
2: yeah, there's so gotcha. many things they could do but also so like I was chatting with my sister about this and she was like oh they should do Pinocchio like I feel I feel like that would work and yeah, it's that like could be cool. okay well wait a minute like this is owned by Disney like Disney's doing their wave of live action remakes of all these classic stories once they're done with that they should just do Muppet versions of all of them they can make them one hour they don't even have to make them like feature length and they could just go straight to streaming I think it'd be great
1: yeah. yeah i think there's also like four or five pinocchio movies in post production like right now <laughs> <laughs> and
0: none of them are muppet movies so yeah just not there's a like, single one what a crime
1: the like scary one there's like a guillermo del toro version there's like a, a, like a not so scary one there's just a whole bunch but um I like I, yeah i think yeah having them in there as like the sort of the, like the decoration sort of of this story works really well. And it's the first time we sort of have Miss Piggy as like, not as like a big part of these movies.
2: Uh, there's also another question that went around on social media a while back was, um, take any movie, replace all of the characters with Muppets, except for one actor. What movie do you do? And so it's <laughs> like, I was thinking tactic. they could do, yeah, Big Lebowski and they mm-hmm. keep uh, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's good. Now I want to see a Muppets Training Day and <laughs> take out everybody except for Ethan Hawke. Just have Ethan Hawke. Okay. Oh, that's Who's amazing. Who's playing
2: Denzel's character?
1: Kermit, one hundred percent. Okay. It's like, you, you ever get wet before? <laughs> can't even do. Can't even do the Kermit voice. I was going to say yes. Yeah, the first time we're getting a new Kermit is. Uh, has has passed away, so it's the first time we're getting a new voice. We have uh, Steve Whitmire
2: as, as Kermit. I, I, Which, I, apparently, he was a problem. Did you read about that? No,
1: I didn't know he like was, like a problem production wise, like on set.
2: Yeah, that he like always like had was very demanding and stuff uh-huh. like that, and eventually mm-hmm. they had to kind of let him go. So. Oh like, dang, that's unfortunate. He, yeah. he like he endured through the Muppet movies and series for a long time, but yeah, eventually they had to. I think after it was sold. I don't know when. I think, yeah, I'm not sure when, but, like, eventually they were like, yeah, you, you gotta go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they were officially purchased by Disney around, like, 2004. Oh, okay. So maybe that's yeah. around when it happened, then, yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot of fans that are really diehard about, like, Kermit's voice, and they say that Steve Whitmire's really good. I didn't really notice. I thought he was, I thought he fit in nicely with the speaking yeah. and with the singing. Obviously, there's not as much of it as the other ones, but i thought it, it fit nicely it was rc did you know
0: adam did you notice like that? um did i notice sorry what was it did you notice or like did like that voice change stick out to you so, so no and that's because i this is like my main my main muppet you know vibes. for sure for so sure like oh, I, yeah yes, yes. i've seen you know i've seen you'll you'll know better than me what's the one where they're like going to hollywood uh, moving right along, I've seen that. That's I mean, just the first Muppet. That's the first, yeah, one, right? the first one, right? So that's seventy-nine. Okay, so my gap in Muppet dumb is seventy-nine to ninety-two. Whenever this came out, yeah. gotcha. Okay, so I don't, you know, I, I I don't have too much like eyes on the Kermit continuity, but I thought he was good. And I guess my thought on like I was thinking about this, Daniel, because you brought up, you know, why has gone to the narrator. And I guess my first instinct was like they wanted to give Kermit the like heart role which was,
2: yeah. um, you know, is it Bob Cratchit? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it would have been weird if that was Gonto. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that would have, anyone else in that would have not worked. And yeah, having
1: the uh, Bob Cratchit and the tiny Tim as like the, sm- the small frog and, so cute yeah, this is so adorable and then we get the great line at the end and Tiny Tim who did not die <laughs> yeah
2: I love that yeah,
0: it's hilarious it's just like the cherry on top you already have the most triumphant song and scene and it yeah. just like feels so good to watch him just be good and then you just get that you know you're getting it You are. and you just he delivers it perfectly yeah I just like
1: that someone would be like we just have to vocalize this because if we don't then <laughs> someone's going to walk out of this
0: theater really sad so we just have to say, say this very clearly some of the imagery. This reminded me of that. It was was so was so good. And I know a lot of the um, lines were taken straight from *Christmas Carol*, but yeah, um, kind of speaking to like the the, yeah, balance, the lighting was great. I agree. Yeah, and I, and a lot of people say this is yeah, like you were saying, one of the most true to the original of of all the adaptations, which I just think is like a cool feat in a way that something you can kind of only do in this way with muppets like if this was just all humans it'd be kind of a fun quirky movie but it wouldn't be anything special i don't think yeah yeah um, it's definitely just... elevated by the presence of muppets <laughs> yes. although i did <laughs>
2: okay so when tiny tim is like dying or whatever i remember i remember being very moved by michael kane's performance but mm. having this feeling of like how did we get here? Like we just watched three ridiculous comedies and now we're watching like a family of frogs and pigs mourn the death of a child. Yeah. I don't know. But it works. Yeah. Yeah, It it is really
1: good. Yeah. It it really hits those, those those chords really nicely. Um, I was going to say, do you guys have like a favorite gag or joke in this movie? There's a lot that sort of, I wanted to, not a lot. I wanted to mention, but one in particular is in the past Muppet movies we've had, fourth wall breaks or meta moments and here we do have a moment where Rizzo is commenting on the fact that um Gonzo is like like, how do you know everything how do you know all this stuff and he's like well I'm I'm omniscient I just know everything I'm the storyteller and I I don't know I just I I think that is another nice little nod to like just the, the fourth wall breaking aspect of these movies I was wondering if there's anything that you kind of liked uh, you want to go first, Adam?
0: Yeah, I got a couple. I, I There's two that I wrote down because they just made me laugh. Um, I thought this was where you're going to, because I think it's in that same sequence. Um, Gonzo's like, yeah, I know everything. I know the Christmas carol like the back of my hand. And Rizzo says, <laughs> prove it. He's like, well, yeah, there's a mole around the wrist area. And <laughs> it's just like perfect, perfect delivery. And then the other moment, another Rizzo-Gonzo moment is, yeah, Rizzo is... Like, he's like, oh, I had my jelly beans the whole time. And Gonzo's all frustrated with him. And they have, like, a, a tense moment. Rizzo just leans in and kisses him on the nose. Yeah, yeah. It's just, like, very, like, random and tender and, um, you know, it's just.
1: Yeah, the jelly beans gag is funny. He's like, lost well, my jelly beans goes through the fence and comes back. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's like, why are you, why are, like, why are we climbing over? The, yeah, the classic, why are we climbing over this
2: thing? Uh, Uh, my favorite joke is when sam the eagle who plays young scrooge's like mentor um he's like giving him guidance and as older scrooge is being led away from the scene we just hear him say we just hear sam the eagle say don't trip the don't tip the driver (laughs) 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 oh i missed
0: that that's That's so funny
1: Yeah, also I think that uh, Sam the Eagle sort of clicked because I was like, yeah, why is he so fucking political? I'm like, duh, Thomas, he's Sam the Eagle. It's literally, mm-hmm. this is his allegory for like this patriotism. The American theory. way. Yeah, it's and so then consistent. the character's like, oh wait, no, we're in, like, we're in London or whatever. And, yeah, I think that's a nice little, another like kind of fourth wall joke kind of breaking. One thing I thought was really interesting that I thought was a nice like tribute moment is when they're inside of the school, uh, school scene and Rizzo and Gonzo are on the, the shelf that has the busts of great writers from the past, and it kind of goes down, and it gets to, like, it's, like, Boliere and, then, like, Shakespeare, and then, like, there, like, it's Gonzo's face, like, on the last little section, so I thought that was, like, a nice, like, sort of placing Jim Henson amongst these mm-hmm. great, like, writers, but also it's a like, nice, like, hey, like, you, like, you're getting your flowers, kind of, even though you're not here, we're sort of, like, putting you on this mantle, so I, I thought that was a nice, like, sweet moment. And then it falls over, and it's like, oh, no. The, the, the heads are falling, so
0: it's it slapsticky, so... You can have
2: it both ways. Anything else in regards to The Muppet Christmas Carol?
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you guys, or did you guys learn anything about um, Paul Williams, the uh, guy who wrote all the music for this? No, I yep. didn't. So this came up in 2019 when I revisited this for the first time. Um, Vulture wrote an article about him and this movie, because um, he, he wrote... You know, Rainbow Connection, he's the original Muppet guy. Um, and then made a bunch of money and then went into like a bit of a spiral um, and battled like alcoholism and you know, cocaine addiction for. Wow. And he, you know, his, he says like, you know, I'd lost all of the 80s pretty much. Um, and so he got clean and sobered up like two years right before, or sorry, two months before Jim Henson passed. Awesome. And um, they came to him to do the music for this movie. And he was like, he really connected with it because he felt mirrored like Ebenezer's journey. He felt was his like journey of like sobering up. And I got a quote here. Um, He said that like the connectedness that I felt with the world around me was remarkable. All of a sudden you have that feeling of being cared for. You have that feeling of belonging. And I think that that, the reason that this movie works for me so well, so consistently is the music um and i think that that kind of sums up why the music works for me is it comes from like a really honest place where he is yeah just talking about receiving love and giving love and yeah i don't know what are you guys thoughts on the music do you have favorite songs i don't know does that resonate with you um, right. go ahead i
2: was just gonna say like so towards the end of this movie i turned captions on because there was some like background noise and like so when scrooge sings his song at the end i was just like reading along to the lyrics it was like almost like a sing along sing those lyrics pop up on screen That's cool. um and it like it just really hit me like how beautiful that song is like it's kind of and it's ridiculous because it's not the first time that we hear these like beautiful songs in these muppet movies and it's interesting to know that it's the same person who's written the rainbow connection um because I, it's up there with it you know
1: yeah i think these ones resonate a little bit more sort of what i have mentioned at the beginning of our conversation going to the fact that it's christmas and these sort of themes of family and love and redemption is sort of like it's the end of the year starting new and so all of those things sort of hit a little bit harder and have a little bit more impact when they're packaged into this wintry christmas like atmosphere and so with these other muppet movies like Rain- rainbow connection is beautiful but there's a lot of like kind of like silly montagey kind of songs in those three movies where I know, they're more just like kind of functioning sort of literally just describe like one how one character feels in a particular way or just kind of like just be entertaining and so i think for here it's like they're like accomplishing something much more emotionally palpable and heavy and it just it it just touches on a whole other string. That like it felt so weird watching a Christmas movie at this time of the year, but it also felt like, oh yeah, like it's cool that we could sort of well not cool, but I was like I I think it's interesting that we sort of set aside those movies, these kind of movies for like a time of year when we're all together, when families are all together and mm-hmm. so watching it now maybe sort of like oh yeah, like even though those moments are really like, they can be stressful or, like, you know, the holidays can be, just like, a lot of to-do and a lot of, like, people around. Like, being away from it during this time of year is like, oh, yes, yeah, like I do, like, appreciate those tender sort of moments. Yeah, I don't know. I think I need to rewatch it with the, with the subtitles on. That sounds like a nice way to, <laughs> to get to those lyrics.
0: Yeah, yeah you, what you said is just reminded me of one of the lyrics where I think one of yeah one of the things he says is and may the spirit carry you the whole year through or may it be enough to like sustain you all year long like, and yeah, that's yeah, okay. exactly what you're talking about. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's so, Very cool. cool. Um, yeah, the ghosts
1: of Chris's past still terrifying. <laughs> 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 that's yeah, my last, like, parting thought on this movie. Yeah,
2: I was curious, like, <laughs> what other designs did they have? Like, how, what are the other ways that this, like, character would have, like, worked out? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah.
1: On the Wikipedia, it says that originally they were going to have the Muppets be those Christmas spirits, but then mm-hmm. they decided to make new ones for it, which I think is a really strong choice. Yeah, I think it's they, more interesting. Yeah, the second one is awesome. When he shows up, it's like, oh, yeah, cool, he's, like, changing sizes and he's getting older. So he's just, like,
0: there's so much about it that's just really visually interesting. Totally. And his size, too. Just, like, having a, a larger-than-human Muppet is very cool. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, and that shrinking effect. It looks great. <laughs>
0: like, I, like, <laughs> I had to think
2: about it for a while. Like, how did they... Do- I think they just, like, zoomed out, <laughs> like, yeah. and then took that zoom and put it over some other footage, but...
1: Yeah, but also, yeah, all of the loca- like the location of the village is, like, shrunken a little bit. So, like, Scrooge is kind of, like, this big figure amongst, like, these small Muppets. There's even the part where, he, like, I love it when he, like, peeks into, like, the wall of the house. And there's, like, little, like, the rats inside They're having, like, their Christmas dinner. It's just, like, yeah, it's just, it, it, that kind of has, like, that labyrinth feel. But also just, like, yeah, everything is just lived in. Just, yeah.
0: Just dense. No cheeses for the Mises, Tommy T. <laughs> So Adam, what have you been watching this week? Uh, mostly the Warriors, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, as as tis the season, um, but I also I watched on um, your recommendation, T. Uh, Chippendale, okay. Rescue <laughs> Rangers. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Have you have you seen this, Daniel? No,
2: I have. i was curious about it.
0: Okay. Well, uh, I won't spoil it for you, but I, I do recommend it. Um, I will I will echo T's recommendation. Um, Especially if you are a fan of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it is like a spiritual sequel to it in a lot of ways. It seems, and yeah. Uh, yeah, just like I don't know if you felt this way, T, but when I finished it, I, I just like kind of immediately wanted to watch it again a little bit. Uh, a little bit, I did feel that um, there's just so much visual things to
1: sort of yeah. latch onto, and I, I tweeted about it. But I was like, this movie is incredible, but it also it proves that. There is no entity on Earth that matches Disney's ability to grab other IPs, and like, like, like I was a big uh, defender of Space Jam: uh, The New Legacy when it came out. So I was like, yeah, like, like they're like they're trying. Like it's not it's not perfect. It's a kids movie. Why are we all writing four page essays about this? Like this, this is just like a basketball movie. It's not that serious. And also, the first one is something that's really close to my heart in childhood. And so when this came out, I was like holy shit, as a movie, it's just so much better, but also as a vehicle to reference animation and to reference things, it's just firing on like all cylinders and it's just it's doing things that literally were making my jaw drop at, some per- at certain parts. So I was like, how did they get permission to do certain things and then include certain characters? And I won't completely spoil it, but yeah, there's de- it's definitely worth a watch, Daniel, because it's just like, uh, like... Yeah, it's just props to them for just being able to... <laughs> have that
2: that grab, so I, that reach i never really watched chippendales when i was a kid would it still resonate with me is it still gonna work yeah i wasn't crazy
1: i like okay. not super fan of chippendale but like as a, yeah. a, a good movie that's like a modern comedy referencing these meta kind of things i think it does it really well also i'm a, a
0: big andy sandberg fan so i'm a little biased also yeah he was great john mulaney was great um you know I, yeah, I, you do not need to have, I don't have really any experience with Chip and Dale yeah. you know, beyond knowing that they are chipmunks. Yeah. But I, I loved it still.
1: Yeah, <laughs> J.K. Simmons is like
2: the villain cop. Really is he good. playing, like, as a human, or is he voicing a character? So
1: J.K. Simmons' character is, like, a Gumby kind of character. Uh, There's okay. actually also a Muppet in so that shows up, and it, they use it really fucking well, where they, like, they're going to investigate something, and it's, like, it's like a Muppet character, and then, like, he just does, like, a turn, and it's like, it just gets really dark.
0: It's just really well done. Okay. They do a great job of playing with um, all forms of... Not just animation, but like also, you know, I guess stop motion is animation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like puppetry yeah. and non human characters, basically. Yeah. Does yeah. Babe
2: the pig show up?
0: <laughs> I wouldn't Does... be surprised
2: if you like that. Say, like, <laughs> I'd be hard pressed to tell you. Yeah, you, you had no, to think like... about it. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's hard to
1: say no because yeah, it's the the way that they like do it is just really well done. It's just they're moving, it's a lot of dynamic. like it's dynamic, they're always kinda of moving places. Hmm. So,
2: okay, so, yeah. So. I'm very curious. I'm very curious.
0: So was that you know, the main thing you want to give a shout-out to? Yeah, and other than that, just, you know, I watch 90 Day Fiancé every Sunday. so oh. it's, just, it's, a, it's an average season so far, so I don't okay. have much to say about that.
2: <laughs> uh, Thomas, how about you?
1: Um, yeah, I got, it looks like I have a, I'm not sure if I told you about this on the party on Saturday, but there was a reality TV show I want to recommend to you, Adam. It's called Rat in the Kitchen.
0: Have you seen this? I've seen the ads, but please tell me, give me your spiel.
1: Yeah, so basically Rat in the Kitchen is like a cooking show. You have like, I think it's like six people, two teams of three, but one person is basically like there to sabotage the meals of everyone else. And so they're trying to figure out who's the person like, like trying to ruin the meal essentially. And I don't know, it's just like, like watching them turn on each other is kind of rough and being like really suspicious. But like seeing the rat kind of just like sneak and pour some water in here like, Switch out ingredients. It's always just like fuck. Like it's just it's just good TV. Just good like kind of just like junk what, TV. What what is this on? It's called um I think it's on TBS. Okay. Um yeah, it's called Rat in the Kitchen. Um, it's the one thing I want to give a shout out. But also a few things when I was watching TV, there were two references to Jim Henson that like really stuck out to me. I was watching American Dad, and there was a a labyrinth episode where they all just get trapped inside of a labyrinth, and I thought that was cool. And then also this week on Monday was the Better Call Saul mid-season finale they're taking a break from now until they're coming back in like July so the first seven episodes came out and a character in Better Call Saul was dressed up as Kira from The Dark Crystal and I thought that was really cool that yeah like Jim Henson he's like very much just baked into like our modern like film language and like watching all these movies has been really cool because like I wasn't super into it but now I'm like over the past couple of months I'm like yeah like I'll get the Kermit tattoo, like, like I fuck with this, like, stuff. (laughs) Really? Like, I really like it, because it kind of reminds me of my childhood in a way. Yeah, it's like, just seeing the Muppets kind of, like, laugh and move around, it's just always something really fun and uplifting to see, and to see other properties reference it in ways that are like sometimes like it's really snarky like in the american Dad episode where there's going through the labyrinth and just killing every single like creature they see just like just like every like, every creature is just getting killed in horrible ways but uh, yes yeah, also in better call soul the character is dressed as, as kira and it's just like a really nice sweet genuine reference to that movie and so i just thought that was kind of cool that we're talking about these muppet movies and We can still turn on your TV now and see a Jim Henson Henson, reference if you're Uh, watching
2: Prime Tempty. You gotta go to the Contemporary Jewish Museum while they still have that Jim Henson thing. Yeah, send me me the details on that. Yeah, uh, something that I took note of this time when watching Muppet's Christmas Carol is, like, Kermit is the only frog that has those eyes <laughs> and it's really cool mm. that he's the only one because it's so iconic like you can't yeah. spread that around you can't dilute it by having all of the frogs have those eyes um, yeah, yeah. It sticks out yeah even uh, his son did not inherit them <laughs> yeah he just has recessive. the little dot eyes and yeah. in muppets take manhattan there's like three other frogs in that movie and they all have the little dot eyes um,
1: hmm. cool cool it's good detail um yeah. oh, last thing i want to mention uh sorry um i Watched like all of Moon Knight over the course of like the I, last day or so, and actually really enjoyed it. I thought Oscar Isaac did a really good job. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard anything about it, Adam, but uh, his character in the show is like is a guy with like three, like two or three different personalities. So it's like an actor's wet dream, sort of you know, like cool, just have these different personalities. And I thought the costume was really cool. I liked the Egyptian iconography and the like the location and everything. So I, I was really skeptical going into it, and actually really really enjoyed it after watching it so just wanted to give a, a shout out because i thought it was cool it does have some cliche marvel things some bad cgi and some typical like dead father kind of plot things but besides that i think it's, it's really cool.
0: i mean how else they going to fill out a show right
2: yeah I just wish That's, they yeah. kept stuck to movies. Like, I don't know that. <laughs> like, we need eight hours of this stuff. Like, I, it's. I, I, <laughs> I, do, I do
1: understand that, yeah. As a movie, I think it would have worked really well. I think it would have been a really great movie. And, like I say, Oscar Isaac is a fantastic actor, and Ethan Hawke is the villain. So I think hmm. they have a lot of great stuff going for it. But I, I do understand, yeah, when it is stretched out into a TV show, it can be kind of rough. It's only six episodes, so it's not that bad. Because it's...
2: it's like. But it's. We already have so many superhero movies, and now we're getting so many TV shows, and it's just it's it's too much.
1: Like I said, I'm I'm I was happy of the setting and the costume. I think those yeah. things sort of won me over, and like just the like I didn't know anything about the character, and as I learned more about the character, I was like, okay, these are actually a lot of things I'm kind of drawn to, and so I was able to sort of uh, push a couple of things to the side and be like, okay. Hey, like that, like all of these cars are all CG. Like, it, I mean, we don't really need to have another, like, uh, car chase on, like, a random mountain, like a turning mountain thing that's, like, ripped right out of Spider Man Far From Home. And, like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like the Dead Dad stuff is, like, Civil War Captain America. Like, you know, it's just mm-hmm. the same kind of familiar beats. But I was like, hey, you know what? I like Oscar Isaac. I think the, the stuff is cool, so I was able to,
2: to, to chill with it. What yeah. have you been watching this week? I'm all caught up on Barry now, and Adam, have you seen Barry? Uh, First season, I loved it. So uh, you can spoil it, I'll I'll forget everything. (laughs) No, it's it's fantastic. Like, (laughs) yeah, like uh, I I guess I'm just someone who hates television because it's like one of the things I love about this movie or or this show: half-hour episodes (laughs) and like only eight a a season or something like that. Short, quick, to the point. Uh, Mm -hmm. Every episode ends with me wondering what's going to happen next. Um, it is very bingeable I yeah. think Bill Hader gives an incredible and varied performance I think it's unfair how talented Bill Hader is both as like a comedian, an actor and a director um, and like I find myself getting caught up in the more dramatic parts of the show And like, uh, I think it's Sally is that the yeah. the character's name like her whole history of like abuse and how do we rewrite our own history, how do we determine who do we want to be um, I think all that stuff is super interesting and yeah it's a yeah. fucking great show I'm like looking forward to every episode now
1: yeah the season's been really good and the whole arc of her like, she gets like uh, her Netflix show or whatever and then like she's yeah. kind of like just, this whole premiere is just like breaking like it's just so like, heartbreaking like yeah it's, it's really good we, I don't want to spoil it either because I think if you, if you were able to find time to catch up you'd really enjoy it. But you guys like, are kind. I'll do. I'll do.
2: That. It's like, yeah, it's this. It does such a good job of straddling between like high tension and drama, and then just like comedy, because uh, it never feels. I don't know. It yeah, it never feels cheap. Hmm. The comedy. Um yeah. I don't know. I need to spend some more time thinking about it to really figure out how I want to how I want to talk about Barry. But it's it's solid. Totally. Also a show that
1: ended this past week. Uh, Atlanta finished its third season and just went out on a crazy bang. So,
2: <laughs> See, that's a show where it's like, I know it's fucking great and I want to watch all of it, but I can't binge that show. <laughs> like it's, it's, I need yeah. to like sit with it every time I watch it.
1: Yeah, I, I understand that. Yeah. And this this season they sort of it gets a little bit more weird, a little more experimental. They do this thing where uh there'll be like one episode about the main cast and then it'll do another episode that's a detour about characters that are totally unrelated to the characters that are in the main show. And a lot of the fans were like not into those detours at first, but uh, some of those episodes are, are, I think, are the strongest of the season. Um, one in particular that I, I recommend is uh, one, it's like a, a character is faced with a situation where they're giving out a college, uh was it? Like so, like a person shows up to pay students tuition. He's like, I'm gonna pay all the students tuition to go to college if you're black. And so it's a like a mixed race character trying to like struggle with like if he can like be black enough to sort of receive this like this endowment. So it's just it's just like really weird. Like they're always talking about something messy and heavy and it's, I don't know. I think it's just shot and done in a way that is just like immaculate. So I'm always always down to to watch it and champion that show. But yeah, it's also on the shorter side too. It's not like these hour-long shows. Like yeah, yeah. all the, uh, Moon Knight is all hour-long episodes, so I can understand why.
2: It's a little hard. It's a little hard. Yeah, Adam to. made a face for the listeners. <laughs> yeah. He made a pained face.
1: Pain. <laughs> yeah, we don't we don't all have hours to watch TV shows and movies, so I understand. No, I just need to know else? which ones
2: to
0: to do. You know, like. Uh, I watched the WandaVision. That seemed like that one was important. The Captain America one seems like that's less important. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like I liked someone? Loki. I haven't seen that one. Is that, is that going to be important? Um, I, I, I thought yeah. it was at least it was
2: at least fun enough to sustain me watching it. Okay, <laughs> cool. um, I'll, I'll yeah, I'll take that. One I out. think Sorry. it's in my opinion, it's the best of the shows. I don't oh, know what do you think, cool. Thomas.
1: So when you're saying important, you're sort of I think you're referencing like what's going to be mentioned the most and what's like the most crucial going to the M- going forward in the mcu and i think nice. right now for the first time well, we're like post this avengers thing so right now it's like they're building towards something but they haven't been really explicit on what that is there's mm-hmm. mu- there's multiverse stuff in play but it's not like explicitly like what is going to be and like i think wandavision was my favorite show just because it if like I refer to that show, it felt like a social experiment watching that show play out every week because it was like everyone was just like, "What is this? Like, is this going to yeah. be good?" Like, I, I don't think it was the first Marvel show. Is that was it the I first think it Marvel? Was. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the first Marvel TV show. So I think it was the first like this could go bad, this could be really good, and yeah, them just doing different sitcom styles and different TV show styles. just really worked for me. I thought that yeah. was awesome.
2: That's it starts very strong.
1: Yeah. yeah, I think that one's, like, the, the best show, I think. But I, I'm a fan. Loki was cool. I liked the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because I think once when they do talk about real shit, like race and politics, I think sometimes it can be bad. I think the moments where we do have it between those two characters, I think it's good, like, towards the end of the show. But, like I say, like, you have to watch another five or six episodes. So it's, like, it's kind of... Like, uh, Back in the day, I was always, like, oh yeah, the show gets better in season two, or like, yeah, it's like season one sucks. But sometimes you don't have time to sort of sit here <laughs> yeah. and watch. Just give me things.
2: the good stuff now. Yeah, figure I, it yeah.
1: out. Yeah, I totally get that. Yeah, there's a couple of episodes of Moon Knight where it's like, yeah, like I just don't give a shit that was happening. But overall, I just like the the character and like the the lore. But yeah, watching six episodes of it, sort of
0: like I don't know exactly. Do you guys get the same fatigue with, like, the new Star Wars stuff?
2: Absolutely, I do. (laughs) Because for me, it's, like, so much of the stuff, like, the Star Wars stuff, the Marvel superhero stuff, DC superhero stuff, James Bond, X-Men was, like, now, (laughs) it was a separate thing, um, Fast and Furious, like, all of Mission Impossible, all this stuff, it's offering pretty similar thrills, um and so it's like sometimes i need it's not so much superhero fatigue or star wars fatigue it's just action
0: blockbuster fatigue yeah uh yeah i think that's why i kind of liked wandavision like more than falcon and the winter soldier is it felt less it felt more high concept and just less punchy
2: yeah MVP. Yeah, the fact that it's playing around with, like, the style of sitcoms is so much more interesting yeah. than yeah. just, like, seeing people punch each other in the face. Yeah, that's
1: why the stuff I like about Moon Knight is not when they're fighting, it's when they're having these conversations about, like, well, the whole thing is, like, they're like they're driven by these Egyptian gods that are, like, they they want to be um, distant from human affairs, but they also have someone to interfere and help out, and so it's similar to Eternals in that way, but it's also, like, its own thing because it's like Egyptian themed and I just like when the actors are on screen and are able to do what they do best and I think it, it, it does excel at that one it does happen but yeah like when they start fighting and it gets big and the CGI kind of stuff it gets yes. a little yeah, boring. It gets boring but with that said like uh, Top Gun Maverick comes out tomorrow me and my dad <laughs> yeah, me, me and my dad are going to go see that and I'm yeah. really excited because it's yes yeah, like they're putting cameras on fucking fighter jets and shit yeah. so like like i'm i'm excited yeah. when they like push those limits yeah. in a practical way but yeah when it's yeah like oscar Ride isaac and... <laughs> yeah.
2: fury road like if you're gonna yeah. yeah show me some shit i've never seen before
0: yeah um, we can tell we know uh, when it's real
2: <laughs> and like uh did anyone here watch legion i watched like three maybe episodes I mean. three. yeah yeah but i think that's still the best like superhero tv show maybe Watchmen is up there Mm. Uh, but yeah it's so different so stylistically different it's very playful and maybe it works for some people maybe it doesn't work for other people but at least it's fucking trying something
0: yeah yeah I'll check this out I've never heard of this yeah Legion
2: it's like it doesn't even seem like it's a superhero thing but it's like based Mm. off a Marvel comic Um, and it was from I want to say his name's Noah Hawley he's the guy who did the Fargo series oh cool
1: yeah and it's i also think we're in an era where with social media and all this news kind of being out with the movies and like we're always updated just we know who's been cast we know like when things are coming out like we're sort of getting these week by week updates on these things so it's hard to be like surprised and build up anticipation on things when we like we we know what cameos are in the movie before we even see it so i think having it like being distant from it and kind of just like Enjoying it on like a case by case basis is a really a good way to do it. It's like they're they're announcing like back when they were announcing the uh, sequel trilogy for Star Wars. Like, oh yeah, we're gonna give Ryan Johnson his own trilogy. They're gonna do something else. And like, there's like announcing a lot of stuff. And it's like, let's just wait and see if these things work. Because now that trilogy got canceled, and now they're gonna give Taika Waititi a movie. Postponed, <laughs> not <canceled>.
2: Postpone, not <laughs> postpone. We may still get Ryan Johnson back.
1: Yeah, I I think they're we'll just see. gonna step away from that because yeah. yeah. It's, 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 just let him do something original and not related to the most massive pop culture yeah. thing of all time. Because people are a little sensitive about that. They're like, t- they're telling like, yeah, you have to like prep like the black actress in Obi Wan for like negative feedback because there's probably just going to be negative, dumb, racist feedback on your character just for no good reason at all. It's just like, come on, sp- fucking horrible. Yeah, thing. it's like, come on, Star Wars fans. It's like, it's like Damn, is that a real story? Yeah, it's
0: a real story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's uh... Dumb. D-U-M-B is
1: dumb. For sure. Yeah. But with that said, I will always buy the ticket. I'll be there with my butt will be in seed. I'll fucking see it <laughs> Right. I'll be, I'll be, my my <laughs> will be I'm gonna be there no matter what. Oh, um, yeah. I remember
2: nice. when I saw Solo, I was like, i had no desire to go. <laughs> and I was like, I guess I have to see this. Like yeah. I have to know. And then I went to use the restroom like three times during that movie because I was like, I don't care.
1: Okay. See, that's, that's how I felt <laughs> when I worked at the cafe because I was always in a position where like, I'm just talking to people about these movies all day and it's like, they're just going to get spoiled. So it's like, of course I had to rush out and see Rise of Skywalker the night of because I just don't want to hear this from a dumb I customer. Was,
2: <laughs> I was in a daze the, the day after <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker. I remember going to, I had a flight the next day I, like, go to the airport, and, like, I put my luggage through security, and then, like, I just, like, start walking to my gate, and the whole time, I'm just thinking about, like, what the fuck was going on with that movie? <laughs> what the hell was going on with that movie? And it's I'm like, oh, wait, I forgot, and, I forgot my luggage. I forgot my luggage <laughs> at <and> security.
1: <laughs> oh, wait. I'm in Colombia right now. <laughs> in the wrong country. Yeah, love it. Um, yeah. Any other parting thoughts on things you've watched or mentioned... Should... Well, uh, are we going to do another detour next week or are we going to go straight into
2: Treasure? Ah, what's well, my turn to pick? Okay. And what I'm picking is because we got to do it is Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles, which is his dirty, oh. offensive puppet movie that he made okay. long before Lord of the Rings. So Meet the Feebles. Meet the Feebles. Rings a distant bell. I've never seen it. It's been on my list for a while. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll see what happens.
1: Po- the poster is a hippo with a machine gun. <laughs> oh wow! Looking forward to it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Adam.
0: Yeah, talking thanks so much for it. having me,
1: guys. Yeah, be talking about mother's Christmas Carol, getting a little Christmas cheer in the middle of the summer. <laughs>
0: it's priceless. Yeah.
1: The grateful heart. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us vaguezonepod at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at VagueZone. Let us know what you're watching, what you think about all of the things on TV and streaming. There's a thousand streaming services, so there's obviously a thousand conversations to be had. Yeah, this has been episode 87 of VagueZone. Thank you for joining us, Adam. Thank you, guys. Thanks.
2: Yeah, I'm Thomas. And I'm Daniel.
1: See you next time.